Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, and we have not interim anymore. <laughs> it is full-time head coach of the Labette men's basketball program, Jason Henson. Jason, you've been on the show before. You technically had that interim tag all season long. I don't think there was any doubt in most people's minds, though, that if you wanted, that full, if you wanted to stay here full-time, that was going to be your job to have. Uh, the college has made it official. Congratulations on that. It happened, what, about a month ago or something like that? Yeah, about a month or so ago. Um, had to get board approval. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was a, a hold up, I guess. But yeah. uh, but congratulations on that all the Thank same. It, it's nice to know. I, I'm sure to a degree, and I'll just ask you, to a degree, it had to be, uh, you know, unsettling, like, un- you know, keeping you off balance to a degree to have that interim tag that whole season. You did, you, there's, because you, even if something's 99%, you don't know how did, how right. did that kind of affect your operation over that first season um, um, a little bit as the head coach? First thing was fine. I think we talked about it. I, I had a job to do regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the thing was, the annoying thing was people asking me about it. <laughs> I, I don't, like, I don't, like I'm I don't, doing right now. That's fine. well. I mean, I, I didn't have information to give. Like I, like I don't know. Was it when's gonna be off? I don't know. When mm-hmm. like I don't know. You know. And then a couple of times early, um, I had some parents actually ask about it when I was recruiting. Yeah, which kind of that's like, the big detriment, I'm sure, yeah. to a degree. Was impetus to try to you know see if we can get this sped up a little bit, but that was the biggest thing. But it, it didn't bother me personally. Is just mm-hmm. happened to be asked about it more than anything else. Uh, now that you have the, the full-time job, uh, you guys won more games last year than, than you did the year prior. Uh, clearly the program was in an upward trajectory. Uh, you know, I'm curious, you, you've spent some time away from it now. Uh, we're a couple months removed from that end of the season. Uh, you know, I'm curious how you feel like your first year went on the court, your record, your, you know, how the, how the guys played and everything. Uh, you know, do you feel, how do you kind of gauge that first year? It, it really flew by. Um, it did. It is. It went so fast, faster than usual, as you would expect. But uh, they, they, the guys played extremely hard, um, mm-hmm. and I, I got to give them that credit. We we went to a lot of a lot of gunfights with with rocks, <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> but they fought, and we won some of those, you know. Um, so I mean, I'm forever grateful to them. I talked to them about this, but um, we got to re, kind of reload and, and um, get some guys in that's going to allow us to, you know, really mm-hmm. really compete. I'm curious. You know, looking introspectively, what you learned about yourself being a head coach in that first season, what, you know, we're always growing and learning as individuals. What did you learn uh, about yourself that either you want to change or evolve or, 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 or even build upon? You felt like, okay, I have this in me, keep it going. What's, what, what, did you, what are some of the lessons you took for, about yourself? Um, just how, I, I mean, you have a vision for things, but just how you actually, you know, obviously implement those things and, and get that vision across. Um, a lot of my times off season has gone back and looking. I call it my the, the true coaching record. Mm-hmm. So what games did I feel I'd probably directly influence, either negatively or positively, and kind of go from there and see what I could have done if it was negative Yeah. Uh, next time to turn it to a positive, and what did I do positively, and can, is that repeatable, or is I just look out on something? You know? mm-hmm. So I kind of just going back and uh, evaluate myself in those kind of games and, and kind of go from there. It, out of sheer curiosity, when you went through, give me an, an example of something that you discovered kind of in that thought process. What's an example of a game that you felt like you impacted positively? Um, the, the biggest one I look back one is our, our, our loss at Hesse at the buzzer. Um, mm-hmm. We were up big, and I, I found myself looking back and watching the film, kind of just watching the game and not actually coaching it. Mm-hmm. You kind of get in that low, just, just things going back and forth and reacting. You're not actually being proactive and trying to yeah, in, in, influence change for your, your better, and you just kind of get lost in the game, so to speak. And those kind of things, I look back, and I'm like, I could have done this differently, and hopefully mm-hmm. next time you That's part of basketball, it. I'm sure, to a degree, though, is, I mean, you look back on the Heston game. 
There's there was a lot. That's the aggravating thing, I'm sure, as a coach, and something I experienced when I was at K State is just the fact that when you lose by 20, okay, that team is better than us today. Right, like right. you know, we have things to improve on, and they exposed it. But good job, they were better than us today. When you lose by two or at the buzzer, every single little thing that went wrong. Oh, you 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 were slow getting around a screen or. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't jump the lane in time. That could have taken two points off the board and let you win that game. That's got to be aggravating. It is. And it, even as being as for so long and, and playing, obviously, uh, people say, oh, one, one play doesn't cost you the game. Yes, it does. But that one play is not necessarily at the end of the game. No. It could be at any point and it can change certain things. And this is the butterfly effect and things <laughs> that just happen from it. I can't remember exactly when it happened. I know he was with the Lakers, but LeBron James, it was, you know how the NBA, they do those last two-minute reports Mm -hmm. from uh, referees regarding calls uh, if if the game was within a certain margin. And the NBA will come out and say, okay, well, this call, you know, at the 150 mark was accurate because of this reasoning, and they'll break it all down. And, you know, any step in the direction of transparency, I think, is a good thing. I'm not objecting to the existence of those. But LeBron's biggest... Uh, criticism of those two minutes reports was where's the last five where's the second quarter report right right because you're just you're you're reinforcing the stereotype that the last few minutes of a game were more important than anything else Mm -hmm. we may have lost the game with a few missed executions in that second quarter that let golden state go on some 6-0 run that if we take those away we still win this game And, and that's that's a big and i've tried to do that i've tried to maintain that with you know my coverage you know, a basketball in the paper is, you know, if someone hits a buzzer beer, it's an exciting play. Good for them. You right. want to highlight that. But, you know, just because, you know, you gave up a play late doesn't mean you didn't miss that screen in the second quarter. Right. It, it adds up. You know, mm-hmm. and a basketball is kind of a deal where I was talking to a coach. I was down in Dallas and he was telling me how they lost uh, early in the year in a buzzer beater. Um, and I told him, you know, you look at those things and sometimes when you win on something like that, you're kind of happy, but you're not because, you know, at some point it's going to even out. The basketball <laughs> yeah. guys are going to get you back at some point. You're like, dang, that's a good shot. But we're going to get it back at some point. It's going to kill you, you know. So I was, I, I went to go watch the Thunder play to pit. Um, that you, you got me on name dropping for la- last time you were on here. You're going to give it for me again. Uh, my college roommate Rodney Magruder plays for the Pistons. Uh, All time K State great, by the way. Absolutely, <laughs> preach. <Yes. laughs> but, uh, he was. Um, they were playing in Oklahoma City uh, at the end of March, so I went to go watch the Pistons play. Uh, the Thunder, and I was sitting with one of my friends, uh, Martavius Irving. He's a realtor in Wichita now. He was on those same K State teams, though. And one of the, uh, and one of, there was a play that happened where uh, one of the Thunder players just didn't really hustle for a loose ball. And Detroit got it, gets it up in transition, uh, and they hit a three from the wing. And I looked at it, and I, and I sat there to Martavius, and I said to myself, it's one of the few beliefs I have that I can't provide evidence for mm-hmm. but he made that shot because the the, the thunder guard yep. didn't go after that loose ball and he just sat there and said basketball gods yeah that, it gets you you know and, and and once you realize that sometimes and you kind of see ebbs and flows of things in the game is so been getting funny that way and it is it's a simple game but it's not because you see things like oh mm-hmm. watch it's like right 13th like he's not dead <laughs> he's, <laughs> you thought you got him no nope, here he comes yeah. around the corner and that's the 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 turnovers or the the missed shots or the momentum swing mm-hmm. you know and just it's funny that way. What? So you know, I want to talk to you about that first season. Uh, you guys go thirteen and fourteen. Uh, so one game shy of five hundred. 
Uh, you had a you know of those fourteen losses. I mean, you had what five or six of some pretty talented Division One teams. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, there's a lot of schools out there that instead of playing those, instead of five or six tough D ones, you're playing five or six JVs, right, and all right. of a sudden your record is you know eighteen and nine instead of thirteen and fourteen. Was were either those teams two teams tangibly better than one or the other? Pro- you're not gonna be able to tell from those five games, right? Right. Um, but what what stood out to me, and I asked you about it towards the end of the year because the trend really just started to solidify, particularly in conference play, you were so much better at home than on the road. Right. You didn't get a true road win at all last year. There was You didn't go on the road and win. You won a couple neutral site games, mm-hmm. um, but you did not get a true road win. But you were five and t- – you, I mean, you only lost twice at home all year. All year, right. I mean, if – you know, for, for fans and for the public that went to go watch your games – they're thinking, wow, we, we have one of the best teams in the conference. But why was why do you feel like that disparity was there? Especially because, and I'm not this is not an insult to JUCO, but the the value of home court advantage has different variables at this level. You're not going into Allen Fieldhouse and and having to deal with 110 decibels in your ear and having to withstand that every time you touch the ball. But that's not to say a home court advantage does or does not matter. What's kind of your take? Now that you have some time away from it, why what why that disparity was there? I, that's a good question. I, I thought about that, and you, you mentioned Allen Fieldhouse. Adversity is perceived, so it could be two guys counting mm. you, and you're not <laughs> prepared, or it can be a hundred thousand. But it's the same kind of impact, you know, if it bothers you. Yeah, sometimes uh, those two guys could be more annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's right there in your face. You hear, you can't really block it out. But um, I think it was just a lack of focus. Um, that's that kind of handled us all year. Um, We'd go for a while and be in practice where it'd be, and then we hit that point where just we lose all focus and 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 things start going downhill. Mm-hmm. Things start depreciating. Um, honestly, it's we were in some some games on the road, but yeah. it got to a trend where we kind of I'm not expected to lose, but expected some something to be like, oh, here we go, kind of deal. Yeah. And when you're doing that, it, it's probably going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, it, it I, I've never been a part of anything like that where we haven't just been so blatantly two different teams yeah and that's what was odd about it was you know how true the 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 argument was it's not like you were like a you know a 70 percent win team at home and a 40 percent win team on the road it was you barely lost at home and you could not win on the road have you 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 talk about what you felt like you know caused that how have you addressed that this offseason i'm sure that was part of your thought process and, and, and and you know reflection on yourself a little bit you you talk about Losing a little bit of focus. How do you how do you work to maintain that on the especially on the road? Yeah, and that's something that's going to have to start early um, preseason going on through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I came in with so many ideas, things I wanted to do, and I probably gave too much at too many times. And we try to narrow it down and funnel. You don't have that 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 foundation to actually mm-hmm. worry about the stuff you really need to worry about. So my my plan going into to next year is really simplify what I need the most important things. And once those are down, the foundation mm-hmm. we can add on to it. Um, I think the things we can do, honestly, um, more playing, you know, actually five on five in situational stuff. Yeah. They kind of get you in the field, that, that kind of environment and, and, and have an adversity. Part of that is you didn't have a roster that could justify five on five. You were down to what, nine, eight, nine guys, yeah. that, you know, as the season dragged on, you couldn't go five on five, no matter right. how much you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Got to get Jaron and you out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's not happening. Um, <laughs> I think I just pulled a hamstring thinking about making a cut. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, that's the offseason four. It's kind of getting ideas and, and kind of going back and seeing what you did good and bad in this evaluation. 
and it's, you know everyone's zero zero now so mm-hmm. well hey let's go to a quick break when we come back i want to talk a little bit about what this offseason is going to entail uh, but we'll go to a quick break here on kokc i'm your host sean fry of the war room our guest today is jason henson the men's basketball coach at labette community college we'll be right back don't go anywhere we're back here on the war room on kokc radio i'm your host sean fry jason henson the labette men's basketball head coach in the building today uh, we've been talking a lot about your season. I'll veer off for a little bit and then come back to you just to kind of gauge your your thoughts on it. Mitch Rolls takes the Iowa Western job. Uh, obviously, he had built a program at Labette that was routinely ranked in the you know in the top five in the top ten for a long time. Uh, there's always a bit of uh, familiarity, a bit of sibling there when it comes to a men's and women's programs. Uh, you guys mostly play on the same days when it's conference season. You guys have to share the court. Uh, I'm just curious kind of what your reaction was to that, you know, Mitch taking that job and, you know, how that affect and what how that affects just the dynamics of the athletic department as a whole and maybe what you've noticed. Yeah, I was extremely happy for him, first mm-hmm. off. Um, it's be a good opportunity for him to go up there. Um, you know, Brighton's Horizons and with the facilities and the stuff they have up there is amazing. Iowa Western may very well, you know, for its scale and maybe even scale up, you know, aside – they probably invest in their athletic department more than any other junior college in the country. Right. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah. Um, and, and another, you know, Jayhawk coach, Andy Shaw from Allen's got the men's job. Too. Yeah. So I have both of them, both really good dudes. And so to see him do that was great. Um, honestly, it's going to be a little different. I'm not seeing him around, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with his, his girls around. Um, uh, it's, it's always happy for their success. And what they did, uh, what our program was kind of, can we chase that? Can we try to get there too? sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always fun. Never any, obviously, any animosity towards the program. They were exceptional and yeah. a rising tide lifts all boats. So to see him and, and rooting for them was was fun. Um, yeah. So and it made for some fun nights too. When you guys are, you know, those double win, those two win nights in conference play are always really fun. Fun, yeah. Always those are sweet. always a, a fun night to be had. Uh, you know, back to what you're thinking. So you know, first off. Uh, you enter this offseason now. Obviously, JUCO in and of itself is going to have a high turnover rate with the roster. You add in the transfer portal from four years and all that. It just adds a new variable. Uh, how have you attacked uh, building a roster that uh, you feel is more capable of fulfilling your visions? What have been your priorities in recruiting this offseason? Um, focusing on more length, more size, obviously. <laughs> Thank uh, God. Our, our, yes, yes our, 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 biggest, our biggest thing and. A lot of those games was not rebounding, which killed us. And I thought it would be the, the thing that hurt us early when I mm-hmm. first got the job. And then it kind of didn't hurt us, and then it, it did at the end. So, um, But this size, length, athleticism, um, uh, we're going to ramp up defensively, and that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 we got some talent coming in, some uh, some athletic guys, some things that I don't think have actually been here since I've been here, mm-hmm. so, uh, skill-wise and athletic-wise. So um, I'm excited about it. I thought you guys ran – you know, good offense last year. I, I I liked watching you guys play. There was nothing about your offense or your defense for that. Honestly, your defense, you played pretty high-octane defense when you felt like it was appropriate. You guys loved to press the ball, but you almost did it because you had to because you couldn't just sit in a half-court offense because no. they'll eventually get the ball in into the paint, and you've got 6-7 going up against 6-4 right. at bare minimum, and that's, just, it, that's not tenable in the aggregate. So you try. I feel like you had to make up that deficiency by by pressing more and creating more turnovers. Yeah, and my thought on that is, you with analytics, you need more shots, obviously. Yeah. So you pay a fashion pace. The idea is to get more shots. Um, so my I thought was, okay, we're gonna play sound defense on the end, but if they shoot, 
they're mm-hmm. probably gonna get the rebound and that's a less shot for us and one for them yep so it's kind of doubling what the, the outcome would be so i figure if we're going to press maybe we get some steals and extra shots mm-hmm. and they don't get to shoot so that you know that's the flips the whole scenario around so. i mean it's a simple equation that's one thing you know i People ask me what made Mitch such a great coach. Obviously, he was a great recruiter on the women's side. What I felt like he was best at X's and O's wise was getting more shots than the other team. Mm-hmm. You don't have to rebound better or shoot better. or You, you can be worse at everything. If you take more shots than the other team, you're right. going to have a dang good chance to beat it's, them. It's, it's simple. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it could, that could hide any deficiencies if you're taking 10 more shots a game. Right, right. Uh, you talk about adding size. Size has got to be... I don't want to say few and far between, but size that is, you know, both athletic and capable of playing the game and aren't just project players, it's got to be rare at the junior college level. How do you kind of go about finding, you know, finding that size? What are some, what are some of the things that you look for? Because obviously that was a that was a, a deficiency of your roster last year. You just didn't have height. And if, if there was a guy on the other team that was 6'8", 6'9", and he genuinely could go in there and rebound and bang in the post – you didn't have anybody to match up with him outside of doubling down on him. Right. How do you, you know, when you're looking to fill that gap, well, how do you, you know, outside of just what it says on paper, what do you look for? Um, it, I, honestly, at this point now, I mean, I more than rim protection, mm-hmm. it's more rim deterrent, you know? So I don't need to go get off the glass every time, but I need to be a presence there. Just give time to think or just try to change a shot or make mm-hmm. a floater at you instead of going to the, right, to the rim or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the kind of priority. And if you can find something extra that can go get it and, command the glass and all that great yeah um but it's really just the 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 ability to to have what you can't teach yeah if five yeah. times a game your sheer presence turns drives to the rim into mid-range shots there's probably six or eight points off the board for the other team right right and i i did the kind of research i was looking around and saw the stat that um point off one foot and two feet and, and close to the rim the team with the highest field goal percentage on contested shots inside the paint was KU, mm-hmm. and it was thirty-two percent, <laughs> the highest in the country. Thirty-two <laughs> percent just by having high hands. Yeah, you're going to miss majority of the time. So the, the the average was probably you know fifteen to, to and yeah. lower. So you're going to yourself. And a that's chance. what you're going to sport at the junior college level. Yeah, no, exactly. n- nobody's the Jayhawks out here. Right, right, right. So you just have a chance. That's my mm-hmm. thought process on it. Uh, any and I don't know the answer to this question. Any uh, anybody local within like within like a hundred miles that I might know that is coming on your roster this year? I know Jesse Jones is probably the name I would I would strictly ask about. I don't know if he's still committed or not. I know that was an idea of his. What are you? What are we thinking? Any any local names that people might recognize? Um, local names, not right now. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of missed a boat on a couple kids that we we're trying to get that end up going locally. Mm-hmm. Um. Kid from Independence, um, that Easton Ewing kid. Easton Ewing, yeah. Um, Is he going to basketball? I've always thought baseball was his primary sport, but I, I mean, you know, you know, cards on the table. He needs to go play college basketball. Right, right. I, I, I thought it was uh, basketball. Um, and then the Richardson kid, I think from um, not Columbus, but I'm, I'm blanking on the school he went to. Uh, mm-hmm. Six five, six a kid. Uh, yeah, shooting guard. He's going to uh, Coffeeville, actually. Yeah, they signed him. So. Um, but it's still it's still putting time in the recruiting process, and I'm hoping to get some some more local guys in. We still mm-hmm. have, obviously have Eric coming back, yeah. Um, you know, and you know uh, Eli coming back too. I, Eli had the red shirt uh, this past year. What has you know 
what has Eli's uh, evolution been? What kind of role are we expecting out of him? What do you kind of see as his ceiling, so to speak? Uh, he'll be going into, athletically, his first year at LeBet this coming winter. Right. He, he's still an excellent knockdown shooter. That's to be the, the biggest threat he provide. Um, him is still building strength. And, you know, you, you can practice with the guys. You can do certain things. But actually seeing the game speed and being in those games is a huge difference. So he's basically still a high school kid. Coming in next year. Yeah. Um, Eli Heston, by the way, Eli, for our yes. listeners. Yeah. So, um, you know, just getting him up to speed. And it, the preseason to be really big for him, especially the Jamborees, to get mm-hmm. that speed of game back again. But I'm expecting him to be a, a huge, you know, plus for us, especially knocking down threes. That's just, it's unreal sometimes when he gets going, how he can shoot. Uh, another local guy I'll ask about is your assistant coach, Darren Dixon, guy out of Parsons. Uh, man, you know you know how to sell your program. I wrote a story <laughs> about him being hired as the assistant. It's one of the most shared stories we had on the web this year. Right, uh, right. gotta 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 speak, gotta gotta play to your audience. <laughs> uh, you know, anybody who enters the college coaching profession, there's learning curves to be had for anybody. Uh, you know, especially at the JUCO level, I would say it, uh, probably for anybody, it's recruiting. You got to learn how to not just develop relationships. He's great at that, but. I mean, just the sheer logistics of it. Where are these tournaments? How do you know, you know, what's the proper decorum for going up to athletes? Stuff like that. Right. Uh, what's that process been like for him? Um, he's been, he's been, you know, showing up every day and, and trying to learn, ask questions. And that's the biggest thing, you know, obviously the relationship building, he has that down pat. Um, he's the unofficial mayor of the town. You know, everyone knows, <laughs> he knows everybody. Exactly what he is. Um, but he's done real good. At his, and I've been talking to him and he's recommended players to me and I'll explain to him yes or no. And, you know, it kind of helped him mm-hmm. to see, talent-wise, what I'm looking for and what is actually college material, so to speak. Um, but he's he's brought some players to the floor that we're actually working on trying to get. So he's done a good job on that aspect, and he's, mm-hmm. he's learning every day, which is all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Outside of basketball, uh, I mean, obviously you had been at Labette Community College for, what, four years as the assistant before you took over as head uh, coach? Four, six, five, six? six yeah, uh, it's all blending together yeah, for me at together. this point. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you had been at Labette for a while, so navigating that athletic department – uh, probably wasn't as as at least tenuous as it would have been for someone for an outside hire. But now that you're the head coach, what has been kind of that process like? Just I'm sure there's different paperwork that you didn't know that Jared Stanford had to do every day, stuff like that. What's been the biggest learning curve in terms of just being a head coach in a college athletic department been for you? Um, it's, it's supposed to be mostly clerical, um, mm-hmm. just rules and different tendencies that you don't. I mean, you know, things that you don't really think about that you. That makes sense to you, but, you know, you see behind the curtain, so to speak, and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And just, um, Kiel's been obviously a great help, and he's, he's told me things, and um, I, I kind of put myself in the shoes, guy, and it's a guy's shoes. I, I can tell them that something's going to happen. I might think, no, it's probably not going to happen. And it, it, it happens exactly, because he's seen it so many times. Yeah. And he's told me things that helped me out beforehand, and he's told me things that I've probably said, maybe not, and mm-hmm. it's, it's turned out to be true. And he's been, you know, really, really helpful with that and, and, and patient with me and, um, I got a lot to learn on that side of things. And, and obviously that affects everything else because you got to deal with that and you got to deal with the undercore stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot, but um, it, it's been fun. You know, honestly, you know, yeah. it's been fun. So uh, last, we got about a minute left. Uh, I'll ask, you know, how long, what is kind of Jason Henson's vision? What do you, in terms of uh, what you want with your career? Obviously, uh, you know, you're now a, a head coach, just like Mitch moved on at some point. I'm sure uh, you, you will get opportunities to move on as well. What's kind of what does the five year plan for Jason look like? I'm curious. Hmm. Um, just want to get better and compete, um, mm-hmm. personally wise and team wise, and just and and build build that, that legacy that much like Mitch had um, the expectation. And so that's 
it's, it's a great word because expectation means you've done something. Yeah. Most times, you know, so um, just compete and get better. And, and, and my goal is just to bring a, a, a title here. We got a one conference championship. I want to go to national tournament. And mm-hmm. from there, anything can happen. So that, that's, the, that's the plan. There we go. That'll do it here on The War Room. I'm your host, Sean Fry, Jason Henson. You're, you're, you're open door to this studio, like I say, to my favorite guests. Yep. Uh, I, 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 this will be the last time I compare you to him, and I'm not trying to. Mitch would take the call and be like, and would, he was one of the most frequent guests on the show, and you're taking his place. I need someone to bail me out <laughs> when, when I'm overworked and I don't schedule guests properly. So congratulations, Jason. You now get to be on my speed dial of nice, people nice. that can, that people that will bail me out and fill airtime. You, you're, you're in rare company with Haley Miller and Rob Barkus. <laughs> so, uh, that'll do it here on the war room. Always one last, have one last thing. I am. Go ahead. Uh, Lakers and six. Thank you. Ooh, I hope so. I'm a LeBron guy. I get hope it. so. Let's get it. Uh, that'll do it here on The War Room. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Jason Henson, LeBet men's basketball head coach, was our guest. Everybody stay safe and God bless.